0: The Rare Drug Development Symposium is an interactive global genes event produced in partnership with the Penn Medicine Orphan Disease Center that focuses on educating both beginners and advanced participants on the drug development process. Join us for this year's symposium, June 10th to 11th. An optional pre-conference workshop on June 9th will review the current landscape of rare drug development. This is an opportunity to interact with experts, patients, and advocates in the field and uncover your role in advancing drug therapies. To learn more or register, go to globalgenes.org forward slash rdds. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. This month, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved Apellis Pharmaceuticals' Ampivelli to treat paroxysmal nocturnal hemoglobinuria, a rare and life threatening condition in which the body's immune system destroys the oxygen carrying red blood cells. Like existing treatments Solaris and Altomer's, Ampivelli works to inhibit the complement system, but it's the first therapy to target the portion of the immune cascade known as C3. We spoke to Cedric Francois, co-founder and CEO of Apellis, about Ampavelli, what advantages it may provide over existing therapies for PNH, and other indications the company will pursue for the medicine. Cedric, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me, Danny.
0: We're going to talk about Apellas, the rare condition PNH and your recently approved therapy to treat the condition. Perhaps we can begin with PNH. For listeners not familiar with it, what is it?
1: So PNH is a rare disease of the bone marrow. So it is caused by a mutation in the bone marrow that is what we call somatic, meaning that it's a mutation that we acquire Typically during our adult life or, or during childhood, you're typically not born with it. Um, and because of this mutation, um, patients with PNH create red blood cells that are overly susceptible to destruction by this old part of our immune system called complement. And there are two mechanisms by which patients with PNH get, or, or by which these red blood cells in patients with PNH get destroyed. One is called intravascular hemolysis. And the best way to think of that is that the red blood cells, not too long after they enter the bloodstream, quite literally explode inside the bloodstream. And the second mechanism by which these cells get destroyed is called extravascular hemolysis, which is when these red blood cells get tagged by this complement product, and that leads them to be removed from the liver and the spleen in a very short period also compared to how long red blood cells are supposed to live, which is typically um, you know, 90 to 120 days. So three to four months is what a normal red blood cell is supposed to live. In patients with PNH, that is much, much shorter, probably only days or weeks.
0: How does the condition manifest itself and progress?
1: So in uh, patients with PNH, the, the name of the disease is paroxysmal nocturnal hemoglobinuria. Um, and that's a little bit of a misnomer misnomer, because in most patients, it's neither paroxysmal nor nocturnal. And many patients do not have hemoglobinuria where you actually pee blood. Uh, but the first manifestation that many patients with PNH will have is quite frankly fatigue, um, you know, looking tired, not feeling good. At some point, they may... Actually, notice blood in the urine. Sometimes that happens at night, but not necessarily. Um, and as is also the case with many rare diseases, it can often take a long time before PNH is actually diagnosed in patients. You need, first of all, typically a general practitioner who uh, you know has has an eye for things like that, and will look at the blood exam and may notice that a value. Uh, that we call lactate dehydrogenase which is a marker of these red blood cells exploding in the bloodstream is elevated and a good general practitioner will see that as a warning sign and may start thinking in the direction of pnh but ultimately it is typically you know a well-trained hematologist that will make the determination based on some very specialized tests
0: how have patients with the condition been treated and what's the prognosis for them today
1: so, uh, if we go back to before uh, the, the mid to, or before 2005, um, this was a terrible, terrible disease that was lethal in about a third of patients over the course of five years, and the main mechanism by which patients passed away was through thrombosis, through the formation of blood clots. So, essentially, patients with PNH before there were any treatments available. Were susceptible to the formation of blood clots and once these blood clots would start forming it would be out of control it would be these were terrible manifestations and that would typically lead to death um, so in 2005 um i believe it was 2005 or 2007 um, uh, the the first product got approved in um pnh and that product was soliris now soliris is a, an antibody that blocks Complement, which is the system that attacks the red blood cell, and um, do, does that in a way where it is very good at controlling the intravascular hemolysis. It is not so good at controlling, or it does not do anything about extravascular hemolysis, but it does control intravascular hemolysis. And by doing that, Soliris is a life saving drug for patients with PNH. So, you know, I cannot overstate the kind of the benefit that. Soliris and then kind of its its subsequent uh, similar mechanistic drug ultomeris have been for patients in terms of saving lives. Uh, However, drugs that control this complement system in the way Soliris and ultomeris do, do not control extravascular hemolysis. And by not doing that, these patients uh, often continue to suffer from anemia, from transfusion dependency. uh, And that is something that we um, you know, that is a mechanism that we can control with Emparedi, the newly approved drug.
0: Well, talk to me a little about the complement system itself. How, how does it work and, and what role does it play in PNH?
1: So complement is, is, is a, a subjectively fascinating system um, that is hundreds of millions of years old. You should think of it as the first way for us to to, to have immunity, to be able to protect our organisms against outside forces. And the way in which complement does that is this, the central component of the complement system, which we call C3, right? This protein floats around in the body and, like paint, paints all of the cells in our bodies continuously. And at that point in time, every cell in the body has a, a a duty, a task, to remove that C3 product from the cell surface. Cells that are not doing that properly are cells that are removed by uh, our, another part of our immune system called the reticuloendothelial system. Now, that system you know, normally functions very well. Um, and our own cell, normal, normally functioning cells have a way of controlling the accumulation of that product in a way that's highly effective. In patients with PNH, that control of the cleanup of that product from the cell surface is not working well. And because it does not work well, the, the immune system, the cleanup system, if you want, is tricked into thinking that these cells are sick or in trouble, and, and they are, to be honest, uh, but they're still functioning well in terms of oxygen carrying capacity, etc. but they get removed prematurely from the circulation or as a final result, they can also explode in the bloodstream.
0: You mentioned Solaris. The the approach that's been taken to date has been to target C5, which is part of the cascade of activity. What's the advantage to targeting C3 rather than C5?
1: Yeah, so that goes back to um, what I mentioned earlier about intravascular versus extravascular hemolysis. So if you target PNH with something that controls C5, you can prevent the red blood cells from exploding but you cannot prevent the paint from accumulating on these red blood cells because that is what drives extravascular hemolysis. With By targeting C3 instead of C5, you can control both extra but also intravascular hemolysis.
0: One of the issues with the existing C5 complement inhibitors is that they only work on a... Portion of the population is, is there any reason to expect that this would allow you to address the non-responders, or would this address a, a different population?
1: Um, you know that is a bit of a misconception as well. In patients with PNH, when they are on treatment with C5 inhibitors, with the exception of a few people, that uh, literally a handful of patients that have a genetic mutation that prevents the antibody soliris from binding to its proper target, the you know almost every patient will respond to a C5 inhibitor like Soliris or Ultomiris. The problem, however, is that if you only control intravascular hemolysis and not extravascular hemolysis, that your body still needs to really compensate for that by producing as many red blood cells as possible in the bone marrow. And so some people do that better than others, and that is why if you want to look at the spread, Kind of simplistically stated, a third of patients with PNH on treatment with a C5 inhibitor will still require transfusions. So they just cannot compensate for the continued loss due to exovascular hemolysis. A third of patients will continue to suffer from anemia. And a third of patients may have normal, more normal hemoglobin levels and not necessarily be anemic, but can only get there, again, by maximum output from the bone marrow. And the bottom line is that to properly control PNH, it is important to both target intra as well as extravascular hemolysis. You recently won approval
0: for Ampavelli. What do we know about Ampavelli from studies to date in terms of its safety and efficacy?
1: So Ampavelli uh, in, in total has been, uh, and, and when I say in total, that means not just in PNH, but also in the other indications that we are studying, has right now a safety database that covers what we call approximately 300 patient years. So imagine 300 patients being dosed for a year or 150 patients being dosed for two years. That's how we think about that in the context of safety. So we've done a lot of work already with MPAVELI. The work that we did in PNH was initially very much focused on is is this a treatment that can control both intra- and extravascular hemolysis? And once we felt very good about you know Empavelli doing that at that point in time. And this was fun because we actually, you know, I still remember us sitting down and, and thinking through this. We said, how can we, you know, make it as easy as possible for patients and physicians to kind of you know consider uh, a treatment that can cover intra and extravascular hemolysis in PNH and do it in a way that is as comfortable as possible. And the way in which we did that is with the phase three clinical trial, which we called Pegasus, and which was really, I'd say, the the, the rock of the submission, which led to approval, where we said we're going to do three things in one clinical trial. Number one, we are going to obviously try to show that Mpavelli is a drug that can treat PNH. And of course, we did that. Number two, we're going to show that this drug Mpavelli is not just equivalent, but actually superior to Soliris in terms of the hemoglobin levels that are generated in patients with PNH. And we did show that superiority on hemoglobin levels. And the third piece, which is maybe the one I'm most proud of, is we said, look, if, if I'm a patient with PNH and I'm on treatment with Soliris or I'm on treatment with ultomiris and I'm, for example, transfusion dependent, or I'm anemic, and I want to do something about it. What are going to be the fears that inspire me? And the fear that stood out when we kind of, you know, thought about this and, and role played it is that what happens if this doesn't work for me? Can I at least go back to where I was before? So what we did in the Pegasus study is we said we are going to take all 80 patients who are on treatment with soliris, and we are going to switch all patients off uh, or, or over to um, combination therapy with Soliris and Empavelli at the same time for one month. And the reason why we did that is during that one month, we believed that we would already see the benefit from Empavelli, all of the benefit emerge. Um, but then after one month of combined treatment, we took away the drug Empavelli again from half or 39 of the 80 subjects in the study. And unfortunately, that was the only very sad part in the study is that these 39 patients then lost the benefit that they had experienced during that one month but it did establish the safety database that you can safely switch between these two products and these thirty nine patients for a period of four months had to then continue or be back on treatment with soliris alone after which these subjects had the opportunity then to you know forever and go back on treatment with um, with Empavedi. so um, we're incredibly grateful for these thirty nine subjects that essentially allowed us to, to, to create the data and the, and the science needed to be able to offer this to patients uh, as an approved product today. How is the
0: drug expected to be priced relative to the C5 complement inhibitors?
1: So we decided to price the drug at um, a discount to Soliris and at parity to Ultamiris. So you know, as we've discussed, it's a drug that is superior on hemoglobin levels to, um, to Soliris and a drug that you know uh, we believe will improve lives and elevate the standard of care in PNH um, and that will be priced at parity with ultramiris. Now, to make sure that every patient who needs Empavedi can have access to it, which is really important to us as a company and to myself as a physician, um, is we are going to have a program called Apelis Assist which is uh, going to help patients that may not have access to payers, that may not be able to you know, afford the drug to make sure that no patient has to be uh, without the drug.
0: In October, you entered into a global agreement with Sobi to commercialize and develop the drug. Sobi has exclusive ex-US rights. You've also retained ophthalmological indications. What were the financial terms of the deal, and how is it helping you expand indications beyond PNH?
1: Yeah. So we did the deal with Sobi um, because Sobi, for, for several reasons. Um, most importantly, the fact that Sobi is a company that culturally was aligned with Apedis. So it's a company where we felt they are going to have the interests of patients at heart, just like we do. The second important reason is that Sobi, in, especially in hematology, the specialty where uh, a drug like Emparelli will get administered has a stellar reputation and several products approved within hematology uh, in Europe and in the rest of the world. So here's a partner that you know could lift some of the important weight off of Apedis, because these are enormous undertakings as, as you can imagine, uh, to make sure that the regulatory work goes through as quickly as possible and that the distribution and the access to the, the, the medication XUS is also handled as, uh, as expeditiously as possible.
0: And how broadly applicable do you think Empaveli might be as you consider additional indications?
1: So Mpavelli is now only approved for you know all adults' patients uh, with PNH. Uh, and it's currently in what we call registrational testing, which is the last phase of testing before hopefully gaining approval. And four additional indications. There is currently an ongoing trial in uh, ALS, hemotrophic lateral sclerosis, there is a phase three clinical trial that is about to start in C3 glomerulopathy, which is a disease of the kidney. Um, And that's going to be one trial that also covers another rare disease of the kidney called immune complex membranoproliferative glomerulonephritis. This drug will then also be tested by SOBI in two additional hematological indications. The first one is a disease called cold agglutinin disease. And the second one is a disease called... um, uh, hematopoietic stem cell-associated thrombotic microangiopathy, uh, which is a disease that um, is associated with high mortality, which is believed to be linked again to uh, complement activation.
0: As the agreement helped you, as you think about your own commercial organization and the launch in the United States,
1: absolutely. So, on one hand, and you, you alluded to it earlier, it uh, you know gave us you know it, it alleviated some of the very high financial burden that developing drugs, um, you know, mean for a company like us, but also the partnership, um, which really, you know, speaking now for about, I guess, more than half a year now of of working together has been about as good as we could have hoped for. And this is a very collegial collaborative way of determining how we design the clinical trials, how we implement them, where we implement them. um, And, um, and, you know, I have, there's no doubt in my mind that that will uh, ultimately lead to, um, you know, to, to, to broadening of indications in the future, hopefully, um, one or more of the four that we spoke about.
0: Cedric Francois, co-founder, president and CEO of Appellus. Cedric, thanks so much for your time today.
1: Thank you so much, Danny.
0: Thanks for listening.